the disciples, the disciples of Jesus Christ, the people that everybody called disciples, they are the exact people that were called Christians. So if you're thinking that I'm a Christian, but I'm not really a disciple, wrong. If you are a Christian, you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. And in Matthew chapter 28, when Jesus Christ gave us our commission, our sending out message, and he said, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all the things I have taught you, that's a disciple. Notice he said, make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all the things that I have taught you. So a disciple is somebody who observes the things that Jesus Christ taught them to do. Very simple. And so we're going to be talking through this series about discipleship. So first of all, there is no difference between being a disciple and being a Christian. Then we need to understand that the call to discipleship is an individual call. Every single one of us has been called to be a disciple. But in order to be a disciple, to make disciples, we need to first be a disciple for ourselves. Some of us, uh, us have tried to do things that we're not, and it doesn't work. People can tell that from a mile off, that you're trying something, but you're not really what you say you are. I'm a Jamaican, and in Jamaica, we like to make up words. And if you told somebody that you're a Christian, and you're not living the Christian life, they call you a grease can. You're not Christian, you're grease can. So we need to live what we are saying we're living. And so I'm going to be praying and we're going to be talking a little bit more this morning about ordinary supernatural Christianity. Ordinary supernatural Christianity. Because the call to discipleship is a call to a supernatural life. Let me say it one more time. The call to discipleship is the call to a supernatural life. But you have to live that supernatural life every day. You have to live that supernatural life when you go to the job. You have to live that supernatural life when somebody cuts you off on the street. You have to live that supernatural life wherever you go. And so we're going to be talking about that. But let's pray before we go into the rest of this word. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you that you have called each and every one of us to discipleship. You have called us to yourself. You have called us to have a relationship with you, O oh God. And so I ask you this morning, as we learn more about this call to discipleship and this call to walk out our supernatural life every day. I ask you, Heavenly Father, that you would speak to our hearts. Convict us, Lord. Help us to follow you the way you want us to follow you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. That picture on this, this slide with this man blowing the trumpet, for those of you who were not here last week, we spoke about Gideon, and Gideon was hiding threshing wheat behind the wine press because he was afraid and God gave him a supernatural call in the midst of 
all of his ordinary life. And so the first point I want to raise this morning is that when we accept the call to discipleship, what we're really doing is we are being supernaturally changed to a new person. God supernaturally does something in our life that changes us. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And this little picture here with this butterfly, there is a word that describes this, this transformation that takes place when we are in Christ. It's metamorphosis. Metamorphosis. And that is simply talking about the process where uh, an animal or, or some creature changes from one form to another. It's some transition that takes place. And most of us know about the caterpillar and with these insects, what happens is that there are different stages. First, there is the egg. And then from the egg, we move to the larva. And then after the larva, this, this caterpillar, this, this larva, he goes and he gets involved in this little cocoon. And I, I don't understand how this happens. But he, is, he, he curls up into a ball. And... That ball that he is, before you know it, that ball is transformed from being a pupa to the adult, and the adult is the butterfly. There is a transformation that takes place. But here's the problem. The problem is that some of us, when we are transformed, we are still acting like a caterpillar. You should be flying and taking a little bit of pollen from this plant here, and this uh, pollen, and taking it across there, and having cross-pollination, but we're still crawling on the ground. Let me tell you a little bit about my change and my transformation. I started telling you my story last week. I'll tell you a little bit more about my story this week. I was born in Kingston, Jamaica, 1964, which makes me 46 if you're trying to calculate quickly. And I grew up in Jonestown, an area that is a lower income area. And in this area that I grew up, we grew up very rough, very fast. It was a, a, an inner city area. And we lived on Bryan Street, and we lived at 13 Bryan Street, and right across the street, 14 Bryan Street was the Salvation Army. And every single time Salvation Army was open, we had to be there. It wasn't that issue, are you going to church this week? No, 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 no. Church is open, you're going to church. But in going to church all these years, for some reason or the other, I never quite heard the gospel in a way that I could understand it. It's strange. But I just, it just never happened. And so we once had a situation where my brother was looking for a penny, one cent, and the penny rolled under the bed. And he couldn't see under the bed, so you know what is the best thing to do. 
light a match so you can see where that penny went. And before you knew it, the sheet caught fire. And so my sister, I'm not sure if it was my sister I, or I came into the room, and we saw the sheet on fire. So the best thing to do is grab the sheet from off the bed. And when we grab the sheet from off the bed, it hit the curtain. And now the curtain is on fire. Before you know it, people were running in and out of our house stealing things because the entire house was on fire. Then, because of this big fire in our house, we, we had to move and we moved to another area. And this was a bad area. It was a time in Jamaica's history when we went through political turmoil really bad. And the churches in the area decided that they needed to come together to save the area. And so what they did was about six churches came together and they had a street crusade. And someone was in the back of a truck and he was preaching from the back of a truck and we, we gathered around the truck and he had loudspeaker. No, we can't quite do this in America. But in Jamaica, where I'm from, you just get your loudspeaker out and you go as loud as you want and everybody just come and listen to you. So he's preaching from the back of this truck and he's preaching from Matthew chapter 3 verse 10 that says the axe is laid at the root of the tree and whoever does not bear fruit will be cut off and thrown into the fire. And when he said fire, I heard the gospel. Because I had experienced a fire. And I know what a fire is all about. And so I was, at that stage, about 10 years old. I remember, I, I told you last week about when I went to Jesus Christ Superstar, when I was just eight by myself, sitting down and crying because the Lord had been calling me. Well, this was at my age of 10 years old, that... I heard the gospel, I heard him talking about fire, and I knew that my life was, was doomed for disaster if I didn't accept Jesus Christ. And I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. The preacher called people to come forward, and when he called people to come forward, he said the sinner's prayer, and then he asked the counselors, all the counselors in the area, to go and pray with different people. And they went and they prayed with all the adults, and nobody came and prayed with me. But he said the sinner's prayer. And when he said the sinner's prayer, I repeated that prayer. And it absolutely changed my life. That's why children are important to me. That's why we are going to be having a good global children's ministry here at Go Church. Because you don't know what decision a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old makes that changes their life forever. Then after I received Jesus Christ as my Savior, even though none of the adults believed me, I was absolutely changed. I remember after that, my behavior changed. The way I acted changed. My mother couldn't understand. She, 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 thought, she thought that maybe I, I was just doing something for two weeks, but three weeks changed, and I'm still doing the things that I was doing. And I remember once I saw a woman on the street. She was a Christian, and I said, can you come and pray for me? And the woman came home that afternoon to pray for me, and my mother said, 
oh, don't, don't pay attention to him. He's just a troublemaker. And she sent the woman away. She didn't realize that my entire life had absolutely changed. Here's what happened. Ten-year-old child, I would get the other children in the community, and I would put them on a bench, and I would preach to them. Because from I was a young child, I knew a change had taken place in me. The Bible says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. A new creation. And so, nobody had to tell me that when I got up in the morning, I needed to read the Bible. Nobody had to tell me that I needed to share what had happened inside of me to others because I was a new creation. There are some things that we just don't need to change or, or teach people. For example, a child is born. And when a child is born, there are certain things that we don't have to teach children. The first thing that we don't have to teach a children is a child is we don't have to teach a child how to be cute. No, that is me as a child. That's my one-year-old picture. And cuteness was just asking me, what's the matter? You don't have to teach a child how to... A child is just cute, and they do the, the greatest things ever. No, I, I don't know what happened between that cute picture and, and the way I am today. <laughs> but you don't have to teach a child how to be cute. You don't have to teach a child when something is wrong. When something is wrong, that child is going to cry, that child is going to scream, that child is going to let you know that I need food, and they're going to tell you without anything else. You don't have to teach a child when it is time to eat. The child is going to cry, and no matter what you do, that child is not going to stop crying until you feed that child. And... You also don't need to tell a child when it's time to go. When it's time to go, the child is going. Now, let me just say something to you. We are new creation in Christ. We should resemble our Father, our heavenly Father, whom we have this new relationship with. That picture, the reason I showed you that picture, everybody who looked on me said, he is the dead stamp of his father. The minute you become a Christian, you should be seeking to resemble your heavenly father. Amen. When something is wrong, you should have a connection with God that you know something is going wrong and I need to correct this. When you're a, a Christian, a new creation, and it's eating time, you don't need somebody to tell you it's time to read the Word of God and to dig something from the Word of God because there, there, there ought to be something about your life that causes you to want to eat more. Yeah. And when it's time to go, no, that's a pun on the word go, but when it's time to go into all the world and share the gospel with others, we shouldn't have to wait for somebody to say, it's time to go. 
So we're going to be talking about this change and this transformation. Unfortunately, we need to learn how to be disciples of Jesus Christ. I don't know why it is that when we become Christians, we don't suddenly change and become the good, God-fearing Christian that God wants us to be, but we need to learn how to be disciples. So let me just take us through some of the first stages of what it means to be a disciple. And the aim of this is that I want everybody in Go Church to be a disciple, to be a person who is doing the things and the work of a disciple. Now, if somebody asks me, Chris, what is the first thing I need to know as a newborn Christian? There is no hesitation in my mind. The first thing we need to do is learn how to love God. It might seem strange, but many of us do not know how we should love the Lord. If we want to learn how we go about loving our Lord, the best way is for us to look at the example of somebody who knew how to love the Lord. And the person who knew how to love the Lord more than anybody else was Jesus Christ. Because he and the Father are one. And because he spent eternity with the Father, then all we have to do is look at the example of Jesus Christ and see how Jesus Christ loved the Father. And then we can learn how we, as disciples, need to love the Father. Let me show you why this loving of the Father is so important. In Matthew chapter 22, verses 35 to 38, it says, Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him, that is Jesus Christ, a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. This is the first and great commandment. In other words, you are a Christian. What should be the first thing you should be learning how to do? It's how to love the Lord. We don't know automatically how to love the Lord. So I'm going to give us three quick steps, three quick points as to how we can grow and love the Lord. First is we should not love the Lord the way we want to be loved. We need to love the Lord the way God wants us to love him. See the difference? We are not loving God the way we want to love, to be loved, but the way God wants us to love him. That's why we need to learn how he wants to love. And the first step, the first step is time. Time. I remember when I was in South Florida and I was 
going to school, do my bachelor's degree, and I'll tell you the story about how that came about later, another time. But I was studying to do my bachelor's degree, and I was a really bad student. And as I look on all the things I have to do, I realized there was just not enough time to do everything and do my Christian job as well. There's not enough time to go to church and study. And there's not enough time to do this and the things that God is calling us to do. And so my first temptation was, okay, this is my, my primary job now to be a student. And so I should probably step back a little and do the things that will get me through school. And God spoke to me. And he said, give me your time and I will give you my moments. Give me your time and I will give you my moments. Because here's what we do. We judge time in, the, in terms of seconds and hours and minutes and days and weeks and fortnights and months and years and decades. But God judges time in moments. And you can try for 10 years to do something. And in a moment, God changes everything. And in just one single moment, your entire life is changed forever. So the first thing is, give your time. Why do I think that giving time is important? Let's look at the example of Jesus Christ. Jesus got up in the morning, and what was the first thing he did? He went to spend time with the Father. Notice he went to spend, wherever they're trying to find Jesus in the morning, they could almost bet they would find him in a mountain somewhere spending time with Jesus. Always trying to find time to spend with Jesus. And so, because Jesus Christ knew how to love the Father, it works for us to also say, if I'm going to learn how to love God, I need to learn how to spend some time with him. Now, when I'm talking about spending time with God, I'm not just talking about daily devotionals. That's important. But here's a secret that I've discovered over the years. When you spend time with God, and you're not just reading the Bible, you're not just speaking to him, you're not just giving him your shopping list, but when you spend concentrated time with him, sometimes just in silence, God has a soft spot. And the soft spot is, you spend the time with him, he can't bear but not to share his secrets with you. You want to spend time with him? You want to walk the supernatural life? Spend the time with him. And as you spend that extra time, even though you're busy doing everything else, as you spend that quiet time with him, he begins to leak. 
And as he leaks, you begin to reflect him more. You begin to look more like your daddy. There, there's a saying that dogs, after a number of years, begin to resemble their owners. Well, when we spend time with God, we begin to resemble God. Moses spent time with God. And you know what happened? His face began to glow. The countenance of God, the, 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 the power and the glory of God began to, to just shine upon his face. And Moses reflected God because he was spending that extra time with God. How is your time with God? Are you giving God a few cursory moments at the beginning of your day? Are you giving him a few moments in the middle of your day? Are you giving him a few moments at the end of your day when your, your eyes are closing? Or are you finding time throughout the day to spend a few moments with him? Time. If we want to learn how to love God, look at Jesus who spent time with him. I have some more to share, but the next step is holiness. Holiness. You see, the call to discipleship is a call to holiness. In Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, it says, Come now. Let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like, they shall be like wool. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be made white as snow. The call to the relationship with God is a call to holiness. When God met Moses, there was a burning bush. And the bush that was burning, as Moses was walking, he turned and he noticed that the bush was burning. And guess what God said to him right up front? He said, Moses, take off your shoes. For the place that you are standing is holy ground. Because the call to discipleship is a call for us to be holy before God. And you see, this call to holiness is a call that, that transforms our entire life. Let me explain how, how serious this is. I remember one morning reading in my devotions about obeying every ordinances of man. And, and this is a scripture. It means nothing to me. I'm just reading through the Bible as I, I do in the mornings, because it's a, a Christian discipline. And so what happens is I'm reading through the Bible and read this passage, and then I'm passing, and I'm going to work. And not work, because I worked at home. I was going to school, driving on I-95, enjoying myself, not thinking about my devotions. That has passed. And God stepped into what I was doing as I'm driving on the road, and he said to me, 
walk before me and be perfect. That knocked the fear of God in my life. Because you see, sometimes we don't realize that everything about our life needs to reflect his purity and his holiness and how, how good he is. And when God said that to me, just as he said to, to other people in the Bible, I looked at my speedometer and I was going 65 miles per hour in a 55 miles per hour speed zone. And I'm not telling anybody how they should live. I'm just simply telling you how God has been dealing with me. And when I looked on that, and I, he, he spoke to me, and it wasn't an audible voice, it was louder than audible. And when I heard that, the fear of God caused my feet to ease up off that gas. Because the call to holiness leaks into every single area of your life. We need to be holy when we are on the job and somebody on the job doesn't like you and you want to tell that person off. There is a call to walk before the Lord in holiness at that time. When somebody cuts you off on that road and you're ready to give them the thumbs up, we need to remember the call to be holy at that time. When somebody comes in the office and wants to, to share the latest news that is not really your business, we need to remember the call to be holiness permeates everything about what we do because God says, be holy because I am holy. And so, everything about my life, if I want to resemble my Father, needs to reflect His holiness. In Exodus, when when. God spoke to Moses and gave him commandments and told him what to do about the temple. What he said was, when you have the priests, have them, being, have them washed first. And after you wash them, cleanse them down and then put on certain garments that they're not going to go into the fields with. Just have special garments for them to walk in those garments when they come to minister to me in my temple. You know why? Because he is holy and he calls us to live holy. You know why God wants us to be holy? Because he wants to draw us close to himself. And he cannot draw sin close to himself. So he wants us to put aside sin and filth and everything else. I want now to express this call to holiness. And so I've asked Minister Marsha Staples to come. And she is going to express to us the call to holiness. Minister Marsha.
Thank you, Minister. I really don't believe that there is a difference between how God decides to share his word. And so I believe in sharing his word through the media and through drama and through dancing. And I think that clearly expresses the call for holiness, that we hunger for your holiness, that my mind would be renewed. I said that there were three points, and I'm just going to mention the third point, which is friendship. And I am working through a series on foundations of the faith, and then after foundations of the faith, I'm going to spend a few weeks talking about the Holy Spirit, and then I'm going to spend some time talking about friendship with God. And here's why friendship with God is so important. There are many religions in the world that sees God as advocate and they see God as father, but there's only one religion in the world where God says, I want to be your friend. Jesus Christ says, I no longer call you servants, I call you friend. And so God wants to have a friendship relationship with us. He wants us to be at a place where we can tell him our secrets, because he knows, he knows them already. But he wants us to, when, when something good happens, we, we can't wait but to say, God, just thank you so much. He wants to have that relationship with us. And so we're going to work through that. But... I think the call this morning, more than anything else, is for us to hear the call for holiness. When your roommate is giving you trouble, holiness. When on the job there's trouble, holiness. On the roads, holiness. When you meet somebody on the road, holiness. I'm going to close right now. But there is no question that God is calling us to a transformation. He's calling us to move from the place where we are simply acting as a caterpillar. And he wants to have a complete transformation in our lives. If you hear the call, the deep down, this, this is not the, 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 the superficial call, but if you hear the deep calling of God in your life to, to a place of spending time with him, just not just asking him questions, but spending time with him and, and allowing him to, to speak into your life. And if you're hearing the call to be holy, I want to pray for you this morning. So I'm going to ask you to stand. If you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, there is a call on your life right now. It's not an easy call. 
it's a call to step forward and say, I am going to follow you, Jesus. If you're like that, I'm going to ask you right now, just come and stand right here in front. We want to pray with you. If you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, there is a call on your life. He's saying, I want you to follow me. Are you here this morning and you need to give your life to Jesus Christ? The second call is to holiness. Where we display the greatest attribute of God. Maybe not the greatest, but they're all so important. But this, this call for holiness is one that causes us to have everything about our life transformed. If you have heard the call to holiness, come forward. We're going to pray this morning because God is calling you to walk in a different place. He's calling you to a higher level. He's calling you to stand before Him because He wants to pull you close. But He cannot pull you close if you refuse to let Him cleanse you and walk in that holiness. So come forward. We want to pray for you this morning. There's a call going out this morning. It's a call for holiness, holiness, holiness. God is calling you and He's saying, I want you to change. The things that you used to do, I don't want you to do them anymore because I'm calling you to myself. He wants to transform your life forever. There's a call to holiness this morning. A call to spend time with God this morning. Lord, even as we have come forward here and we stand before you, oh God, I ask you, cleanse us, Lord God. I ask for a deep work of your spirit in our hearts, oh God. I ask for your transformation power. Change us, Lord. Change us, Lord. We don't want to remain in sin anymore, for you have called us to holiness. Cleanse us, Lord. Cleanse us, Lord. Cleanse your people, Lord. For, Lord, you are asking us to be your disciples. So we hear the call, Lord God. To discipleship we hear the call Lord to spend time with you we hear the call to holiness may we be changed in your image my brothers and sisters there is going to be a change in your life when you decide to walk the walk of holiness, everything about your life is going to change. So I thank you, Father, for this call. And I thank you that we are about to see 
in our lives a transformation. Brothers and sisters, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his shalom, shalom, his perfect peace. Now go. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. And lo, the Lord Jesus Christ himself will be with you now and forevermore. Amen and amen and amen. Thank you for being in Go Church this morning. If you want to have additional prayer or you want to just spend some time at the altar, we are going to just take a little time here to soak in the presence of God. And if you're visiting us for the first time, we're glad, we're so happy that you came. Join us upstairs for some snacks, will you? We'd love to meet you, shake your hand, say, God bless you. Come forward for prayer or let's meet upstairs in the area where we'll have some more time to pray. God bless you, Walkwood.